You guys can head back whenever you're ready. My name is uh, Randy. I'm one of the elders here who gets to teach every now and again. Um, so good morning to those of you who are new. Glad to uh, uh, gather with you this morning. As some of you know, I, I came to faith later in life. Um, I was actually a couple years into uh, being an officer in the military when that happened. And I, I look back and, and realize that I viewed my day-to-day military job and work um, and, and separated it and, and thought it quite distinct from like really God's work. And what I mean by God's work when I say that is like how, how God intends to glorify himself through attracting others to, to Jesus through his people by the Spirit and all the stuff of life. And so the times I, I told people about Jesus or I led a Bible study while in the military, like that to me was clearly God's work, right? But the other things that I did most of my time, like uh, abilities to plan and strategize and um, lead others through tough situations or submit and uh, follow the leadership of my superiors and take time and really think through how to care for uh, the people I was leading well. Like that stuff, though it was really important and necessary for me to like do my job well, I didn't really see that as like God's work. That wasn't really God's work. And if we don't see all of work that we do as God's work, then, then, then what is work really about? And for me at that time, work became the place I kind of derived my identity, like my self-worth, my significance, how I saw value in myself was what, how, how, what I ended up getting from my work. And that's why I, I was terrified of failure in my job. And, and, and that's why I spent a lot of time thinking through how to make my own name uh, uh, propped up, how to be a, a success in my performance at the cost of really thinking through how do I help others around me become better and more successful. And, and it was hard for me to value them and appreciate them. In fact, because my identity was in my job, it was, it was a threatening thing to see people successful around me in my job because um, success to me equaled being valuable. And, and maybe some of you guys are here this morning and that's something you, you tend to struggle with is deriving you know, uh, significance and value and worth from, from your job. Or maybe perhaps, which is popular in our culture, you might view the purpose of your job is to make just the most money as, 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 as you possibly can. It's all, it's all about making money as, as much as you can. Or maybe you don't care about money and it's about finding self-fulfillment in your job and happiness in your job. Or maybe some of us, and this can be popular too, is you tend to see your job just as a necessary evil where it, it, it's, it's either what you, you have to do because you gotta pay the bills. We gotta pay the bills, so we, we, we gotta work because that's how we pay the bills. Or maybe you see it as a necessarily evil in the sense of like you gotta work if you wanna really do the fun stuff, like take a vacation or get some stuff that you really want. Maybe some of you guys, like me, when I was in the military, never really saw God as a part of your work where he values the gifts that he's given you. And it's exciting for him to see you use those gifts for him and to bless others. Maybe you've never even thought of like God at the workplace, God with you at the workplace. And the question I'm asking us to really consider this morning is what does God's work mean to you? What does it mean to, when I say like the word God's work? Like, how would you, what would you consider as God's work? Why are you in the job that, another way to ask, like, why are you in the job that you're in now? If someone asked you that today, how would you answer that? 
And the reason why that question's important and how you answer that is important is that actually informs how you view your job and it informs how you participate in your job. And that's important because God's plan and hope for the world is to fill up the world with his glory. Psalm 72 says that. And we spend so much time in any given week in our jobs. I mean, you just add it up. It's a lot of hours we spend in the workplace. And God's purpose in all that is that that would be a vehicle, a very significant instrumental vehicle where God would show up in the everyday stuff and the small things of your job and show people who he is and what he's like to transform this world and to show people that Jesus is the one who's come to rescue and redeem and heal and be compassionate to a world that's desperately needing it. And I just want to say this before I go any further. I think this is something that um, guys like Mark Tilden and Kobe Strasbach has been kind of encouraging us and imploring us as a church over the years to really think about. I've been growing a lot from those guys in that because for our church, our, our vision is to see the uh, gospel saturate everything. We want to see every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus through word and deed. But sometimes we don't really see the importance of emphasizing the workplace is so key for that. It's so instrumental. And I just want to acknowledge how Mark and Kobe has been helping us lead us into like, you know, upholding that and, and the importance of that. And I've been growing a ton in that. So I'm excited to talk about this stuff. This topic is super important. And we've been in Titus 2 for the last several weeks. And this morning we're going to look at Titus 2 verses 9 through 10. Titus 2 verses 9 through 10. So you can turn in your Bibles or in your Bible app. And uh, Paul says to Timothy here, he says, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing and not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And last week, Abe did a great job explaining what this passage does not say. So he actually talked specifically about this exact passage. And it, it doesn't mean we own people or um, that we are owned by people. Uh, Abe addressed the bad hermeneutics and interpretation church leaders have promoted uh, in our, our country's history, in our church history, and the brokenness of uh, chattel slavery uh, in our history. And so if you haven't listened to that message, uh, please do so. It was really, really good. Today, what I want to talk about with this passage is what does it say for us today? What does it mean? And I believe this passage has implication and application for our jobs, the workplace. Colossians 3, 22 to 23 makes this interpretation even clearer or why we would interpret this as like thinking about our jobs. Paul says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And here it is, he says, whatever you do, so, you know, whatever job you're doing, whatever work you are doing, in a sense, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And when considering these passages, it's clear that work, it's so much more than ticking off a checklist of duties. It's so much more than that. He says in our jobs, we're to be well-pleasing. And what he means here is we're to be hard workers with cheerful attitudes, which kind of can seem like an oxymoron in our culture, at least from what I've seen. And, and the idea is, is, is someone who really takes pleasure 
in, in serving their boss, serving their employees, and serving their coworkers. It's someone who takes pleasure in really working hard. And, and not just when like the boss is looking or, or when there's this like immediate deadline that needs to be done, but it's in all situations. You, you take pleasure in working hard. You generally, this is the person who generally, he wants the best, or she wants the best for her boss. Wants the best for their employees, wants the best for their coworkers, wants, wants to see the best happen for the company. And he also says in our jobs, we're not to be argumentative. And what he's saying here is we're not to be disputing and refusing, disobeying, grumbling and complaining. It's not talking back or mouthing off to our, our, our boss. It's not tearing down our boss or tearing down coworkers or other employees behind their back. That's what he's talking about here. And in our jobs, we're also not to be pilfering. In other words, it's, it's to be honest. And it's not just in terms of not stealing, but in all our communication. This is someone who's regarded as a very loyal and trustworthy employee. And what's crazy is Paul is saying that that's the kind of stuff, when it happens in the workplace, it attracts people to Jesus. That's what he means when he says, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. What he's saying is being a trustworthy, cheerful, honest, hard worker who is like proactively seeking to bless and serve and support his or her boss and fellow workers and uh, employees is wearing Jesus. Because that's who he is. That's what Jesus is about. He's about serving and, and blessing others. And that's the kind of stuff that attracts people to Jesus. And so the point here is all of our work is meant to be God's work. It's all God's work. I wish I would have heard something like this back when I was in the military. I wish I would have heard this news. It's all God's work. So by the Spirit's power, God, what he wants to do is express his kingdom presence in our work. And what I mean by that, God wants to tangibly show what it looks like when we're with God, what it looks like to be with God, to obey God, to follow him, to flourish as it's always meant to be under his care and under his leadership in our jobs. And because God wants to bless, God really wants to serve in tangible ways. He wants to heal. He wants to show compassion, forgiveness. He wants to build up people for his glory in the everyday stuff of life. So here's the deal. Wherever people are being attracted and drawn to Jesus, that's the expression of God's kingdom. That's where the kingdom of God is. And that's why work isn't merely a checklist of duties. It's an extension of God's presence. And that's why work requires a change of heart, a radically different attitude, a radically different mindset. That's why Paul says, like we read in Colossians already, we're to have it like work with a sincerity of heart, heartily. We're supposed to work onto Jesus. The kingdom isn't merely just a change in the outside, but it actually starts within. Jesus even talked about that. The kingdom is within. And so there needs to be a change where our, we have a new heart, we have a new motivation, we have a new desire, where we actually live from a greater identity and purpose much greater than what our jobs could ever give us. And that's what the kingdom came to do. That's what Jesus came to do. And we got to look to Jesus to see what that even looks like. And we see that Jesus' identity and his purpose was completely rooted in his father's relationship, him and his father's relationship. This is why, when you read some of the, 
the gospel narratives, you, you know, you see that Jesus could handle like tons of people at one moment just flocking to him because he was like, you know, the rock star preacher healer and just crowds following him wherever he went. But then the next moment, you have the crowds completely turn on him and reject him and be like, I'm done with this. I don't understand it or it makes me mad or it challenges me in a way I just don't get. And Jesus doesn't crumble under that. Like I'd crumble under that. Like, I got to work through just, like, getting approval from you guys and how I communicate. I can't imagine the kind of stuff Jesus just handles. And he handles it because the Father speaks of Jesus before he even begins that part of his ministry. And he says to him, what does he say? You are my beloved son. With you I'm well pleased. And we could just so quickly read over that one sentence line. But that sentence is so monumental. It's so monumental. The son was being rooted in the Father's love. And that is what kept Jesus to be able not to find his identity about people's response in in regards to his performance, but he didn't need to worry about that because his father already approved of him. His his father's opinion mattered more than anyone else's. We also see this is why Jesus could spend a significant amount of time working as an obscure carpenter. I don't know if you ever really thought about that when you read the Gospels or you think about Jesus, but maybe some of you don't even know that. he He was a carpenter for a big part of his life. And yeah, majority of his life. And can we just picture for a second Jesus sitting there working on a table? Think about that for a second. He's sitting there and he's like just kind of carving. I don't even know. I don't know anything about carpentry, but he's doing something with the table. And uh, I mean, it's not necessarily the job you think the Son of God would be doing, right? It's not highly influential. It's not like high pay. It's not super world changing, impactful. He's an he's a, he's a everyday carpenter doing, like, working on a table. Like, why, why did Jesus do that? Why did he do that? Well, as I was meditating on that, because I actually was wrecked by that this week, like, man, I really sat with that, I really sat with that that much. The Spirit brought me to John 5, 19, and Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the fathers does, that the son does likewise. Jesus only did what the father showed him. He did what the father told him to do. You see, normally I'd think about that passage, and I'm like, healing, preaching, casting out demons, which is all that stuff I believe the father did have him do and showed him to do. But I don't think about, like, the carpentry work, working on the table. You see, and, and, and I believe there, there was dignity that in, in the work Jesus did. Like, he saw it as purposeful and meaningful, not because it's a high-paying job, not because it's, like, massively influenced and world-changing, but because the Father valued it, because he's with God, he's with his dad. That's why it's meaningful. That's why it has dignity, ultimately. And Jesus, we also see, work this way so that... Um, Oops, sorry, I just totally skipped over something there. Jesus also worked this way. Uh, he also looked and saw his life ultimately to show off his dad, to glorify his dad, to make his dad known. In fact, right before he was about to be crucified, put to death, ultimately like finishing the climax of his work and bringing sinful, messy, broken people like us into a right relationship with God, before he was about to be put to death, he like just thinks to pray to his dad, and this is what he says in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they may know you, he's talking to the Father, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He's always thinking about his dad, how is this to the purpose of making dad known and bringing people to dad at the point of dying for sinful, broken people who've rebelled against his father, who rebelled against him and God. 
That Jesus worked this way, and here's what the good news is. He actually worked this way to draw us into that same kind of relationship, rooting us into a kind of identity and a kind of purpose that is so much greater than our job. And not that so we can look down on our job, but no, it's so that we could value it in accordance to doing it onto the Lord and being, providing a service and a blessing for others to enjoy and be served by. So for those of us who are following Jesus, how often are you regularly motivated by the reality that the Father calls you his child because of Jesus? That you don't have to go to work every morning to try to gain an identity through your performance, but you go to work every morning because you have an identity as a child of God who is dearly loved unconditionally and that can never be taken away. How much does that drive you or excite you? I know for me, going back to my, you know, thinking back about my military days, I didn't realize I was actually deriving my identity from my job while I was in it. I didn't, I didn't actually know that while I was doing it. I was a believer at the time. And I remember one day after I was out of the military, um, for, I was, it was a little less than a year, and at this time I was working different part-time jobs and I was living with my brother in his like, little apartment with his family. It was super humbling going from where I, where I was working and, uh, as a military officer and just like, hey, bro, can you help me out? And trying to get jobs here and there. And it was just a super humbling time in my life. And uh, I remember one day I was clearing out the closet in my bedroom, and I came across one of my old military uniforms. And I remember I just started, I was just gazing at my uniform. I was looking at like the awards, and I was looking at my accolades. And I was looking at all my accomplishments. Because, you know, in the military, you put it all on the chest. You want everybody to see it and uh, feel good about yourself. And then, and then I was looking at my name tag. And I just couldn't stop looking at it. And then all of a sudden, I was just bawling. Grown man sitting in my brother's apartment. I'm just, like, holding my uniform and just crying. And what was going on in that moment? I wasn't even able to articulate there. I look back. What was happening to me is I was, like, I kind of lost myself. I didn't know who I was anymore at that moment. I wrapped my identity so much around my work, like the respect I got from others as a military officer and the way people thought about me and the attaboys and the praise of what I did. It was so wrapped around that, that when it was gone, when I didn't have it anymore, it's like I didn't know who I was anymore. I was done, it crushed me. It crushed me. When we put our identity in anything, but like in our work, it's so easy to do that. It's crushing because here's the deal. When your identity is rooted in performance, you have to do well to feel good. You have to do well to feel good. And when you do bad, it crushes you. And here's the deal. It makes your work output not very good. It's not good for even your work. And for the sake of like blessing others, because here's the deal. When your identity is wrapped around your work, you actually can't receive critique really well. You can't, like, you can't fail well. And you need to do those things in order to grow in your work. And you can't do it well when your identity is wrapped around that. See, we need to hear regularly in our workplace, before work, during work, after work, you are my, my child with whom I am well pleased. We got to hear that again and again and again. We weren't meant to be rooted in identity based on performance. We were made to be rooted in identity based on acceptance and love. We were made for that. And that's what we long for and what we need. Because here's the deal. When I know I'm greatly loved by the most important person in the whole wide world, and he loves me and he's for me, I have tons of energy to want to please my boss, to want to serve others, to want to love others, regardless of how they might see it or how they might return the favor. I don't need that because I'm greatly loved. But if I don't have that resource, that source, endless source of love, 
Man, I'm running around trying to get approval by what I do from all kinds of people. It's just, it's tiring, isn't it? So God wants to come in. He wants to free us up. We get to live as free children that gets to work heartily onto the Lord because we are loved by God. Another thought, how, how often do we find our dignity and purpose in our work because God's actually in it with us? Dignity in our job, it can tend to be based on how much pay we get, or it can be based on how much, you know, mega social justice impacting work we're doing. Like, th those tend to be the things that can drive how much dignity and meaning we, we ascribe to a job. I know it's easy for me to do, but how much do we find dignity in the fact that God is with us that God's given us gifts and that God values us in Christ Jesus, no matter, what, no matter how high paying the job is, no matter how low paying the job is, no matter how worldly impactful it is, or if it's everyday service neighborhood job, that in all of it, in all of it, God is with you where you are carrying the, his presence wherever you go. And that's what gives it meaning. That's what gives it value. And you see, seeing the presence of Jesus with you in your job is crucial because Jesus wants to draw and attract others to himself by the work that he enables you to do. How often are you motivated to work hard and serve others with great love and passion because you actually want to see others attracted to Jesus? That's what Paul's saying here. Like, it's almost like, work? What's the purpose of work ultimately? It's so that others would be attracted to Jesus. How, how, how often do we get up in the morning, we think about our job in that way, like, man, God, can you help me do things in creative ways, in ways that would bless the socks out of people because I want to see people attracted to you, drawn to you. How much are we driven by that? And I'll just tell you right now, man, if you're struggling with boredom in your job, Man, let this be a bit of a game changer for you, that God, holy, almighty God through Jesus is with you, and he is excited to work through you in the most boring stuff of your job so that that would attract people to Jesus. Man, I hope that's empowering. I hope that's life-giving. Like, Jesus wants to do that with you, be with you in your workplace. So do you acknowledge Jesus' presence with you at the workplace? How, and, and here's something that helps me get my mind around it, because I honestly struggle with that stuff. I'm still growing in this. Um, how often do you invite him into the seemingly small stuff in your job? Think about it in that way. Because sometimes we try to go after this big, crazy thing. It's like, oh, man, like the seemingly small stuff. So if your mom, like, like washing dishes, and, and dudes can do this too, don't, don't get messed up with the, the, me saying that. That, that. Sorry, that just came to my mind. But wh whoever's washing dishes, <laughs> singing Jesus while you're washing your dishes, singing to Jesus while you're washing dishes. Some of you guys are like, oh, that's so, like, no, that's huge. Singing to Jesus while you're washing your dishes. That helps you be present with Jesus. He's there. Seek guidance from him when answering an email. Like, you ever have an email that's kind of confusing you or it's troubling, you need some wisdom? Quickly, you're going, God, can you help me with this email? He's there. Or asking him to, to give you strength when, it's, when you're really struggling to love an employee that's just hard to love. Can someone give me a tissue? I'm like, I've never snot before, but I guess I'm doing it right now. So 
I, I would love a tissue. Um, this is God's way of showing me my identity's not, oh, no, I'm sorry, I need a tissue. It's all right, man, thank you for that. My identity's not wrapped up in my performance. It's God's way of helping me out with it. I'll just take this, all right, thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, um, let me move forward with this. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, when you're struggling with loving another employee or a coworker or your boss, how quickly are we saying, like, Jesus, can you, I don't got love for this person right now. Man, it's amazing how God can handle that and how he wants to handle that, how he wants to take that from you. We go, can you just fill me with love for this person? Can you help me out here? Or God, what are ways we can make this place better? Maybe some of you guys have a bit of a creative bent and like you could, God, how can I beautify this space? Make it more warm, make it have more appeal and flavor and just so people feel more welcomed and loved. Like that's huge. God is in that. God loves that. God created this amazing creation as, as Derek led us in. He cares about creating beautiful space. Do you ever think you could just ask him to help you with that stuff? Um, or asking, how about asking God just to give you eyes for a coworker or a boss or an employee that might not be doing well, is hurt, is feeling lonely. Man, God, do you know God's the God who sees? That's one of his names in the Old Testament. He sees. God, would you give me eyes to see any one of my fellow workers that just need an encouraging word, need a hug, need, just need some support, need some help? I mean, the other thought came out, I mean, can you imagine if every morning we woke up as we were heading into our jobs, no matter how frustrating the job might be, we are like, Jesus, could you give me wisdom, insight, strength, and love to like bless the heck out of my boss, bless the heck out of my coworkers, bless the heck out of these employees. Just bless them. Serve this place. I think that's what, that's what kind of Paul's envisioning us to. That's what the Bible's calling us to think like. That's the kingdom mindset, so different than the world, that we would come in, how can we bless, 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 because we've been so blessed by Jesus. Can you imagine if we did that? Or even if you had other workers come alongside you that was in the same job with you, that loved Jesus, and you guys got together and you prayed and thought through creative ways to do that together in your workplace? Can you imagine the kind of transformation that would happen in your jobs? The kind of things that would happen in the city, the way people would be talking about these weird Christian peoples that spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to love and serve and make awesome changes that really bless people. Like, who is this Jesus guy? Like, can you imagine? Like, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to die, not just for your individual righteousness, which he sure as heck did, but he did that so that he could make a people for himself that would utterly change the places and people they're engaged with because God's presence is really in them and wanting to work through them. Man, that's what God's here to do. I hope that's exciting to us, that the Spirit is here and among us and at work. And I just want to say this too, not to sound too romantic about this, right? Because it can sound like, wow, this is awesome. Let's just go do it. And then we get punched in the face on Monday morning, and it doesn't feel awesome anymore. Like, Randy, whatever, man. Because something we've got to pay attention to is Paul is not saying do this to, you know, your boss or your employee or your coworkers who are really nice and treat you well or even godly people. Yeah, you're talking about slaves to masters. I mean, think about that. Like, now, I will preface this and say, like, obviously every situation calls for discernment. There's some situations where through scripture and prayer and discernment and community would keep you from submitting. 
right? So to make that clear. But what I don't want us to miss here is the powerful call we are being called to um, in walking in line with the gospel, in the way we think about our jobs, in the way we think about blessing people. This is crazy stuff because we're following the guy, Jesus, who gave up his own life, sacrificed his own life in his job in order to bring us and rescue us into the family and finish his mission. There's a lot of suffering and death, right? And we're following him. We're not better than our master. And so Jesus calls us too in our jobs to take up our cross and to follow him so that we would what? Lose our life in order to find it. So that, it's gonna be hard. This is, this is gonna be painful. But the sacrifice, just like when we understand the picture that shows us most clearly and powerfully the father loves us is through the death of his son. From death comes life, right? Well, in the same way, we're gonna do, God's calling us into some sacrificial love work to our enemies so that the sweet smelling aroma of the gospel would permeate our workplace and it would draw people to Jesus. Like, what? Who the heck would do that? One of the things that recently happened, maybe to illustrate my point, um, my buddy of mine recently sent me a text. He said, hey, man, we got we to gotta meet up. I'm, I'm really frustrated. And what he told me was the person he was working for um, basically missed a few paychecks and wasn't paying him for his work. And, and, and my buddy is a great employee, and he served and worked, you know, his, his, his butt off, tail off. I don't know if I offended anybody there, but he worked, he worked hard. He worked hard. And at first, he goes, hey, can we meet up? Can we talk about this? And at first, like, my knee-jerk heart reaction was like, dude, are you kidding me? That's injustice, man. We're going to get a lawyer involved. We're going to make some threats here. You don't just, like, withhold pay. This guy's a great employee. But as I was driving to meet with the man, the Holy Spirit totally started working on my heart and that. And what does he do? He, he, he brought me to Jesus. He brought me to think about what does Jesus do? How does Jesus handle the situation? Well, Jesus paid my debt that I couldn't pay by dying for my sin and showed me forgiveness when I deserved condemnation. We deserve death. We get life in Christ. That informs how we treat others. I was like, okay, that's true, Jesus. So it looks like we, we should have a heart that's ready to forgive. All right, so that might change my initial response there. Um, Jesus is the compassionate high priest who enters into our suffering. What if maybe this boss is like going through something really bad and he just needs someone to come alongside and listen and ask questions and care for this person's heart? It ain't just about money. It's like, how is this, is there something going on in this guy's life? Okay, yeah, Jesus, like you're in me to be compassionate the way you've shown compassion and a listening ear to me when I definitely didn't deserve it. And, 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 and then the other thing I noticed too in my heart was like, man, how much fear of money. I, I want my buddy to, like, he needs the money. And I'm like, well, who's going to provide for him? God's like, well, I will provide for him. Like, I know the hairs on his head. I know every spirit that's in the air. Of course, like, I will take care of his money. Don't let the fear of money drive this situation. I gave you my son. If that, that's the greatest provision you could ever have, I will take care of the money thing. How about going with a heart that loves and is compassionate and full of forgiveness? And so it turned out to be a great conversation where both of us were led to like, okay, let's, let's go about this in a way that honors Jesus and is filled with the Spirit. So I say all that just to say, that's the stuff that's very counter to our culture, right? We tend to say, it's my money, it's my rights, I work for it. But God says, no, I lay down my life for the sake of others so that they might know me. And we're called to that in the workplace, so I just want to be clear, man, we're called to die in order to find life. And there is life at the other end. This is the good life. Like, this is the good life in your job, is seeing it in Jesus. Jesus is the abundant life. And so I just want to encourage you. So what I, what I want us to do to get ready 
for Monday and uh, beginning our work week, so to speak, I kind of want to spend first time, because it is hard for us to pray for each other in a very, it it won't take super long, to pray for each other in our jobs. I'll explain that in a second. And then we'll take communion. And then we're going to sing a song as we we take communion. And then I'm going to commission us. I want to do a prayer of just commissioning. You know, we send out church planters. We have done that over the last several years. And... um, but we, we also need to be reminded every day as we're working, we are being sent into the job place with the presence of Jesus so that others would know him. We are missionaries. You are sent ones. Because God wants to fill the earth with his glory. He wants to fill your job, your workplace with his glory. So I'm just going to pray just kind of a commissioning prayer over us as, as we close our time. So that's what we're going to do with the rest of our time. So I'd love to have you guys all stand up. And then I'll explain each, each and every one of those things. So um, I'd love for just twos or threes. Not, I don't want a big circle. Don't get in a big group. It can be with your spouse or a couple others. I don't want anybody to be left alone either. So if you can be on the lookout for that. And just in a very simplistic way, I want you just to say, hey, here's my job. And then one person pray for you. And the prayer could be as simple as like this, man. Like, God, may you just bless this person in their work. And may they be a blessing to others. I mean, it could literally be that simple. Also, if, if you feel convicted about something or have a need in your job place, you can say that too, and they can pray specifically about that. Um, but I just want us to get in the habit of like, man, we can't do this calling apart from prayer. We can't. We need prayer, man. We need prayer for each other. We need the Spirit. So hopefully you're not weirded out by what we're going to do. This is, guys, we've got to learn this. And, and again, it doesn't need to be super long. It's amazing how God, I think God honors short prayers more than long prayers. No. Based on uh, Jesus' word in the Gospels, but no, I, I, I can't verify that truth. But so, um, so we're going to do that first, and then we'll take communion. So Jesus, would you lead us right now to kind of... Um, just focus on you and be encouraged by your, your, your spirit here. Thank you that we're all ministers of the gospel here. It's not just me up here on stage. We all have the spirit within us that those who have put their faith in Jesus, have, we have the spirit of God, and we can minister to each other through prayer. And that actually does things. It does things. And we want to be prepared for the work that you're calling us to do in the everyday stuff of life. So would you right now um, fill us with your spirit and lead us to encourage one another through prayer? We pray this in Jesus' name.